This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Last week's arraignment of former President Trump and his 18 co-conspirators kicked off what promises to be a non-stop legal circus without precedent. Facing four separate criminal trials in state and federal courts, just the scheduling alone will prove to be a nightmare scenario, never mind the political implications of these trials happening amidst a presidential election. How the system deals with all this will be the operative question. And it looks like we find out sooner than we imagined. Judge Tanya Chutkin sent a March 4, 2024 trial date for Trump's federal election subversion case, a day before the Super Tuesday primaries that will hand out a huge portion of the delegates that Trump needs to win the GOP nomination. Currently, the odds on favored for the GOP nomination, Trump has already pled not guilty in a case that he slammed his 2024 election interference. But Shutkin's decision increased the possibility that the Republican Party will nominate a convicted felon. And given that Trump has sought to push the trial into 2026, Shutkin's decision to set it for March 4th was a massive defeat. Trump hoped that he'd be back in the Oval Office by the time of a trial, in enough time to appoint an attorney general who could prevent the case from ever reaching court. Trump could also theoretically pardon himself in the federal case if he is convicted by a jury and then elected president in yet another batshit bonkers possibility that no one ever fucking imagined. Now voters must contemplate voting for a man who has been convicted of multiple felonies related to election subversion. It is truly a stunning and frightening moment for American democracy. Okay, so here's some more news. On March 25th, Trump is scheduled to be on trial in New York on the allegations that he falsified business records to cover up payments to an adult film star during the 2016 campaign. This was his first indictment and the one that I happened to be called as a key witness in. So according to the New York Times, if the trial in Washington lasts more than 11 weeks, it could bump up against Trump's other federal trial on charges of illegally retaining classified documents after he left office and obstructing the government's efforts to retrieve them. Now that trial is scheduled to begin in Florida in late May. And I quote, while Judge Chutkin noted that she had spoken to the judge in the Manhattan case, it remained unclear how the judges, the prosecutors, and defense teams would address the problem of scheduling four criminal trials next year as Mr. Trump is campaigning. Meanwhile, Rudy Colludi Giuliani, the fucking farting Trump attorney, continues to fall deeper and deeper into a pit of his own making. On Wednesday, the judge presiding over the defamation lawsuit in the Georgia election where the two workers brought against Giuliani, well, the judge granted a default judgment in addition to punitive sanctions. Giuliani last month conceded that he does not contest that his claims about Georgia election workers Ruby Freeman and Shai Moss, who were forced from their homes by violent threats, were false and 
carry meaning that is defamatory, even as he insisted that he was still contesting their lawsuit. After asking Giuliani to clarify, Judge Beryl Howell on Wednesday issued a default judgment against him as a discovery sanction and also ordered him to reimburse plaintiffs for attorney's fees and costs. Well, this is a real fucking problem because the guy claims he has no money. He doesn't even have money for his own attorney fees. And after losing the defamation lawsuit, Giuliani is additionally liable for the plaintiff's defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, civil conspiracy, and punitive damages claims, which will be determined at a future hearing. Now, Giuliani will still go to trial in D.C. federal court on the amount of monetary damages that he owes to Freeman and Moss. But Judge Howell has already ordered him to pay roughly 132000 in sanctions between his personal and business assets for his failures to hand over relevant information. And she said those failures, combined with Giuliani's own admissions, compelled her to rule without a trial that he defamed both women, intentionally inflicted emotional distress on them as part of a civil conspiracy, and owes punitive damages. Now, sources say that Giuliani could face ruinous financial penalties. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. He already is drowning in legal bills, while Trump, not to no surprise, refuses to lend him a hand. And speaking of Rudy Colludi, Jack Smith and his team of investigators wants to know all about Giuliani's drinking, especially on and after Election Day in 2020, as part of an effort to discern if the former president was taking legal advice from a potentially intoxicated personal lawyer, according to a report from Rolling Stone. Now, investigators asked about how seemingly inebriated the former New York City mayor was during the weeks leading up to the January 6th Capitol attack, a time when he was the key driver in Trump's attempts to flip the results of the 2020 presidential election. The special counsel's team also inquired as to whether Trump ever spoke with them about Giuliani's drinking habits, and if Trump ever stated that he felt Giuliani's alcohol consumption altered his judgment or decision-making ability. Additionally, Smith's investigators wanted to know if Trump was ever warned about Giuliani's reported drinking problem, and if was ever told that the attorney was feeding him advice, legal advice, and political advice following the election while drunk. Prosecutors wanted to know, in minute detail, how drunk witnesses and others believed Giuliani to be during specific and consequential moments. Now, Rolling Stone reported that according to lawyers and witnesses who have been in the presence of the special counsel's investigation team, Smith is keen on determining Giuliani's drinking habits because it could help show that Trump was actively employing counsel from someone he knew to be intoxicated. Now, proving this would bolster prosecutors' arguments that the former president was acting recklessly as he tried to undo the legitimate results of the election, an argument that, if used in court, could also erode Trump's advice of counsel defense. 
Giuliani's political advisor and spokesman, Ted Goodman, pushed back on the Rolling Stone report, and I quote, saying, one should always question a story that is completely reliant on anonymous sources. This false narrative by nameless sources has been contradicted by on-the-record witnesses, he said in the statement. Now, as for the question of whether or not Julie was in fact drunk on election night or the next morning or any of the days that followed, he was fucking stinking drunk. The man is a bloviated buffoon. But Rudy, who seems to think he's getting away with something, continues to deny what the world already knows to be true, insisting in since-deleted tweets last year that he refused all alcohol on election night and that his favorite drink is Diet Pepsi. Yet advisors to Trump told the January 6th committee that the ex-mayor was shit-faced with one saying Giuliani was definitely intoxicated while talking to Trump on the evening of November 3rd, 2020. And in addition to that testimony, Washington Post reporter Carol Lennig and Philip Rucker wrote in their book, Alone Can Fix It, that observers believe Giuliani had had too much to drink on election night, while author Michael Wolf told MSNBC of the evening, and I quote, Rudy was incredibly drunk, weaving this way and that way. Trump's aides were obviously or rightly concerned about what Giuliani was saying to the president about the election and giving him misinformation. But they were also concerned that he was going to break priceless artifacts in the White House's China room. And now some news from the GOP campaign trail. So it seems that Vivek Ramaswamy, whose performance at last week's debate put him in the running for most fucking annoying candidate. Well, he's been bitch slapped by rapper Eminem for using his music on the campaign trail. Now the dorkish candidate gave an impromptu, cringeworthy performance of Eminem's Lose Yourself on stage during a campaign event in Iowa this month. But the Grammy winner said no more. And nearly two weeks after Ramaswamy showed off his rapping skills at the Iowa State Fair, Eminem asked Ramaswamy's campaign to not do that again. Music licensor BMI said the renowned rapper objected to Ramaswamy's use of his compositions, the Eminem's work, and asked that Ramaswamy campaign stop using his music. And according to an August 23rd letter to Ramaswamy reported by the Daily Mail, BMI will consider any performance of the Eminem works by Vivek 2024 campaign from this date forward to be a material breach of the agreement for which BMI reserves all rights and remedies with respect thereto. And moments ahead of his performance in Iowa, Ramaswamy, who used to undoubtedly rap as a student at Harvard University under the stage name Devek, was asked by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds what his favorite walkout song is. And he responded with, Lose Yourself. Ramaswamy then spastically performed part of the song to a cheering crowd at the Iowa State Fail and the moment went viral online. 
Now Eminem, who has a long history of supporting Democratic candidates and causes, as well as ruining the careers of suckers, MCs, and other rap pretenders, showed Ramaswamy that there can be only one Slim Shady. And guess what? You ain't it, motherfucker. And now for the main event. Today we welcome back legendary politician turned political analyst Michael Steele. Steele made history when he became the first African American candidate to be elected to statewide office in Maryland, where he served as lieutenant governor from 2003 to 2007 and when he was chosen to be the first African-American chairperson of the Republican National Committee from 2009 to 2011. Steele's ability as a communicator and commentator had been showcased daily on MSNBC, where he has become a fierce opponent of Donald Trump and the MAGA agenda. He's also appeared on Meet the Press, Face the Nation, HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, and The Daily Show, to name just a few. In addition to his work on television, Steele can be heard each week on his radio show on Sirius XM or on the Michael Steele podcast, which has become a must-listen for those on both sides of the aisle. He joins me today to discuss the legal thicket we must politically navigate as Trump's four criminal trials loom, as well as some color commentary on last week's GOP debate. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Mike, yesterday was obviously a very surreal day for American politics. And for the first time in U.S. history, an American president has released a mugshot as the former leader of the RNC, what went through your mind as you watched Trump surrender and later saw the mugshot? Uh, it's about friggin' time. <laughs> there's, not, there's not been one person more deserving of that mugshot than Donald Trump. Um, and for a whole host of reasons, 91 of which we already know, um, but many more. Look, the reality of it is, I'm not one of these people wringing my hands, um, Michael, at this point over any of these uh, folks who have been uh, indicted uh, either, as we saw in Georgia, the group of 19, or um, whatever may come from some of the other cases. Um, they they lined up for this. They They bought it hook, line, and sinker. They they believe the bullshit that Donald Trump was selling them, particularly the lawyers, particularly the lawyers. So when I see, you know, Rudy Giuliani in his mugshot, I'm thinking you threw away a legacy. You threw away uh, everything America had given you in, in their confidence in your leadership after uh, 9-11. For what? <laughs> this mugshot, because... For the almighty That's it. dollar. That's it. For the almighty dollar and for power and for closeness to uh, celebrity stardom. Would, but Michael, That's you what would Rudy think the man, it's not like someone like Rudy Giuliani is from Podunk, wherever, and is unfamiliar with the likes of a Donald Trump. 
He was the freaking mayor of New York. He knew Donald Trump and known him a long time. He knows how corrupting and corruptible Donald Trump is and was. And yet, and still to your point, the the bling was was the thing that blinded him. So now the, the next thing that blinds him is the flash from a mugshot camera. Uh, and it's well-deserved. It's earned. So I have no sympathy for any of them. Um, I think the country uh, needs to see this. I think this trial needs to be open, openly aired. It needs to be public. Um, I think all of them should be. The federal ones, of course, we know probably won't be. But at least the one in Georgia, we're going to have the cameras in the courtroom and we're going to watch this man sit there and account for the charges against him. And I think that's a good thing for the country. I do. I do. I agree with you wholeheartedly. One thing that this country is right now desperately, and when I say desperately, I mean desperately lacking, is transparency. So the thing that I thought was very Trumpian was when Rudy went before the cameras Mm -hmm. after the mugshot. And what did he do? He's pleading his innocence. He's pleading weaponization of the Justice Department. He's pleading every single thing that he wanted, and actually that Donald Trump wanted him to say. And he's still doing it despite the fact that Donald, the billionaire refuses to reach into his own pocket and refuses to assist. Now, I am appalled at so many things that has happened so far to date as it relates to this Georgia, you know, RICO indictment of 19 Mm -hmm. individuals. First and foremost, I'm appalled at the $200,000 number that Donald was required to bond. And I'm appalled with it because my bond with the Southern District of New York was $500,000, two and a half times that of Donald. And I, I talk about it a lot, and I think it's still worth repeating. Compare my crime to what Donald did. And even if you want to grab in all of the lies, the bullshit of the HELOC, which was not true, or the five counts of tax evasion, also not true, what did I end up really doing? Well, I lied to Congress, and we know what the lie was, right? Uh, The allegation that, well, I should say the statement that I made to the Senate Uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence that I only spoke to Donald about the failed Trump Tower Moscow real estate project three times when in fact I spoke to him about it 10 times. But the real case that was against me, which I acknowledge I did wrong, was the hush money payment paid to Stormy Daniels not to talk about Trump's mushroom pecker. All right, that's the truth. 500,000, two and a half times the amount of a man who tried to overthrow our government, right? A man who tried to destroy our free and fair election system, whether it's the documentation that Fannie Willis has or the recordings with Brad Raffensperger or the testimony from others. I paid two and a half times the amount. 
And I'll tell you what else I found appalling. Over the course of the last 36 hours, all you see on television is Donald, 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 and Donald. It is nonstop Donald J. Trump. And as somebody that knows him incredibly well, this is the oxygen that he breathes. (laughs) How how many times have you and I, Mike, had it's this re- conversation about uh, how shitty Donald looks? He was walking slumped over, angry, and you could see yeah. when he's angry. He's very, you know, he, he's very transparent in that way. But not yesterday. Not yesterday at all. He actually approached the cameras after as if he was victorious, right? Like Caesar entering right. the gates of Rome. After all, victory in war. And he is not. He is now a fourth-time indicted defendant coming up, flexing his chest. And the reason that he felt so empowered, and I apologize to my listeners and to you for this ramble, but I think it's important. The guy leaves Bedminster to head to Signature over Mm -hmm. at Teterboro, with a motorcade that shuts down the roads. He then gets to his private 757 aircraft. There's like 40 vehicles, motorcycles, you know, minivans, trucks, even an ambulance. He gets to his 757 where he takes off in the air. And we're tracking his movement yeah. in the air up until the point that he lands in Atlanta. And he has another motorcade waiting for him. And they shut the roads down there. And they bring him to the Fulton County Jail for him to get processed. It's not like he was going uh, to, you know, some some formal White House, official White House event with former presidents and the current president of the United States. He was going to be processed as an inmate in the penal system of the state of Georgia. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, we laugh about it, but oh he rolls up to the Fulton County Jail, and everybody, oh, if you listen to all these fucking pundits on TV, oh, my God, the Fulton County Jail right, is disgusting. Right, right, right. It's not going to be, he's not going to enjoy being in there. It's like even worse than Rikers Island, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, this piece of shit is in there for all of like 12, 13 minutes. That's really what he doesn't even have to stand against the wall and be photographed for height. He doesn't even have to get on a scale. We're not talking about having somebody stick a finger up (laughs) his fat ass to see if he's bringing drugs. They didn't strip him out and have to stand there and have him lift up his (laughs) mushroom pecker or squat and cough. All he had to do was take a picture. And all he had to do was get onto a scale. And so that, no, no, no. He was able to self-provide his height and his weight. 215 pounds. Six foot three, 215 pounds. You know, my buddy who used to be the kicker for the New York Giants, Steve Weatherford, is like six foot three, 215 pounds. And he's got like two and a half percent body fat. I assure you, Donald and Steve Weatherford are not in the same sort of physical shape. So he lied again. By the way, do you think it's possible 
that they can hold him for a thousand and one violation for lying about his height uh, you and his know, weight? Wouldn't exactly. that be something? He is lying to law enforcement. Yeah, no, he is. He, we know it's a lie, and I think everybody knows it's a lie. And you know, I don't know what the 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 uh, the law is in Georgia for lying on a state document. I'm sure that there are appropriate penalties, but I, I think you you make the broader point, which is something that you know, as you know, you and I've talked about, and and I've argued relentlessly since Donald Trump left office is that no other president, and I have been at events with other former presidents, roll up with a seven, eight, 10, 12 car motorcade with a police, with, with, 40. with, with yeah, with, 40. with um, uh, an ambulance behind them. And it, as in Georgia, 80 motorcycles, 80 motorcycles were employed, police motorcycles were employed to get him from point A to point B, never. And, and so I, I still don't get what the system is doing that allows us to continue to treat him as if he is a legitimately positioned um, former president, meaning <clears throat> unlike George Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, he has now not one but four uh, indictments that get him totaling 91 counts. He's been processed in four, three, two state and two federal, or three state and two federal um, uh, processing centers. Why do we still look at him as if he's on the same page as any of these other former presidents? And that's that's the media driving this. You know, having helicopters follow the motorcade, they should have had a pool reporter standing outside the courtroom who would report and pro the process of in getting him in and out. There should have been there should have been one car that he was in that drove his fat ass to the jail and back to his plane. That's it. And yet we continue to create these narratives around him, Michael, that fuels the MAGA universe that make them continue to believe that this man is above the law. And while the words from our... Well, he's certainly in that well, motorcade. Exactly. Mike, he didn't look in that motorcade like he was exactly. not above well, the law. The in fact, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what he looked like to me. It looked like to me, which is why I am, again, so angered by it and appalled by the... By the um, Permission that has been given to him and his people. 40 motorcade. He was like a president. He was like a dictator. He was like a king rolling up to a facility to be processed. Let me ask you a question. How much money do you think oh, yesterday cost the state cost of a lot of the money. American It cost taxpayer. the state of Georgia a lot of money. Um, and I'm, I'm curious... I'm curious with respect to uh, the federal uh, government's portion, because typically what happens um, is, you know, those costs are often shared, um, if sometimes not outright, uh, to be reimbursed by, by state and local officials when a, quote, president comes to town. 
Um, so it, the state of Georgia, the, the taxpayers in Georgia were absolutely on the hook for a significant, significant amount of cash um, to process uh, a, a, a now four times indicted uh, uh, criminal. And the federal government, U.S. taxpayers were on the hook for a huge, huge uh, bill as well. And no one seems to care. No one seems to care. I care. I would. I care. I would, and I'll tell you what I, else. If I'm, you, know, you know, it's me, and I, I'm not the Biden administration, and I get the politics. But at some point, I would just say, you know what? We will suspend Secret Service uh, protections. It's not saying that he won't have it. He'll get. We'll give him. We'll give him a driver. We'll give him protection, and we'll give him advance. That's it. Um, we're not we're not going to go down this rabbit hole of expending all these resources while this man is going through the criminal process. And then people say, well, but he's running for president. Not my problem. <laughs> so we're, so, so we're 18, 18 other, other people. people. Right. All right. Exactly. And I'll tell you. So I'll tell you what the American taxpayer got. We got to watch Donald inside walk into the Fulton County Jail, and then 15 minutes later, walk out. Yeah. 15 minutes. This whole shit was for 15 minutes and a mugshot, which, by the way, what did he do? He went ahead and he immediately had the mugshot transfer, transferred sure. to his yeah, mer um, merchandising department, and now but, he's but selling it. So who's but, making but money here? Minute, Mike, on, Mike, 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 you're the head of the RNC. Who's the stupid that, well, one here? Everybody who's spending $34.95 for that shit. But here's the part that kills me. They had some, some group, some lawyer, somebody put out a tweet telling people, don't even think about taking Donald Trump's mugshot and, cap and cashing in on it. If you are a pack or if you are, you know, a scammer or whatever, we're going to come after you. I'm like, come after you for what? Who, 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 who you coming after? That is, that is a public record. That is a public image created by the state of Georgia. Donald Trump has no control over it. So you and I can take that shit and spend and, and make as much money as we can make off of it. And there's not a damn thing they can do about it. <laughs> Mike, Mike, there's a, big, there's a bigger issue. They don't want anybody One, to cash he doesn't in. own. Of course not. One, he doesn't own no. the image. Two, we paid. We paid you understand, for Mike? it. We paid for that image, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just how delusional that he and his people are. You know, you you brought up this whole issue about you know having cameras in all the courtroom and somebody who is now entrenched into at least two of these cases against Donald as a key witness. I'm not so certain. Though I do want the transparency, I'm not so certain that as a key witness in this, I want cameras in the room. And Why? not that there's not 2 billion, well, I'm going to tell you, not that there's not 2 billion photos and articles that have my name and my regular appearances on television and so on. There's something about being on television and there's something about it that to the Trump 
MAGA moron puts some fear, actually not some, puts a significant amount of fear in my head and in my heart because my safety is not the concern of the prosecutors. Now, they're taking great care of themselves. They all have police protection in their offices. They all have, you know, escorts getting them to and from home. Do you know how I got, for example, to Alvin Bragg's office? The Mm -hmm. 23, or I should say the 20 times that I went there? Either a family member of mine dropped me off. I took an Uber. Yellow cabs. Or the subway. I have no Mm -hmm. protection. And they're relying upon me for the prosecution. They offer nothing. And I'm willing to provide whatever testimony. I have done it. I have shown. I have given more testimony, I think, than anyone in history. But I'll tell you what they're not doing. They're not protecting their witnesses. They're protecting themselves. And yet... All the money that was spent yesterday to protect this piece of shit, all that amount of money can go to protecting the witnesses that are going to hold him accountable for what it is that he's there in Atlanta and in other places. Our priorities are yeah, fucked. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I totally get that. And I, I, I agree with the, the idea that all that money that's going into protecting and providing motorcades and and all, security and all that stuff for Donald Trump um, needs to be reconsidered and it, at least be reallocated uh, in a way that uh, witnesses. I mean, we heard we heard um, uh, you know one of the one of the um, uh, folks who've been indicted with him complaining about the fact that you know I, I'm you know trying to get. I thought I was going to get some some relief with my lawyers i think it was jenna ellis making that that complaint when she realized oh donald trump is not paying is not paying for my expenses my legal expenses the way he said shocker shocker um but yet and still the system is paying for him um in a way that they're not paying for her uh and so the the reality the reality is very much the point you make but you know at the same time my view of it is I agree with you about the concern. I don't know. I mean, that concern would be there whether you are seen on television testifying or you're just heard uh, in the courtroom testifying because the MAGA people are going to MAGA. That's what they do. It doesn't matter the, the, the format or the venue in which they, they get pissed at you. Um, I, I think, though, for the for the the good of the country, it is important for them to see, as well as hear, uh, the men and women like yourself who are standing up to try to fix it, set the record straight, clarify the moment, explain what happened, and and speak to the culpability of Donald Trump um, in a way that they can see on your face your seriousness, the truthfulness of what you're going to say. Because the thing about it is, you know this, Michael, people, you know, the first thing they'll say was, oh, well, it's Michael Cohen, you know, and and then fill in the blank with all the bullshit that they want to say about you. But it's hard Mm -hmm. hard when they're looking at your face and you're telling your story 
and what you know because you were the man in the room where it happened. You were the man who invited people into the room where it happened. You were the man who took notes in the room where it happened. And so it is it is important, I think, for them to see that play out. Uh, but I definitely hear your point about your safety and the safety of your family. And that is a legitimate concern that I think prosecutors from Washington to Georgia um, are going to, from New York to Georgia, in fact, are going to have to account for at some point in, this, in the next year and a half, two years as all this plays out. Because you know, Michael, you know um, these witnesses are going to be threatened. Um, they're going to be intimidated. I mean, Donald Trump can't help himself and, his, and, his, and the MAGA people in his universe certainly can't either. Um, and the courts and the, and the prosecutors are going to have to account for that in some kind of way. Yeah, they sure do. So let me ask you, because, and this is your opinion on that mm -hmm. Trump mugshot. Obviously, Trump is the very first president in our entire United States history to that's be right. mugshotted. The question that's going around, do you think that it'll be an aid to him in his martyrdom? Or do you think it'll be a symbol of disgrace and demise? I yeah. can't put my finger good, on it yet. Good question. Yet. Good question. Um, I think, obviously, for MAGA, it's it's a symbol. I mean, look, you got these idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene taking mugshots of themselves, right? Using that background and, and taking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't account for the the degree and the level to which stupid will show just how stupid they are. Um, so that's that. I think for the rest of the country uh, here on Earth One, um, we we look at this and there is a sense of disgrace and humiliation. Um, not for Trump so much as it no. is for... Uh, what's happened to the country? How did we allow this to happen? Um, I think uh, I think there is some struggle right now for some people trying, some voters out there trying to reconcile their level of culpability is a strong word because the the right to vote is so sacrosanct. But you know those who voted for Trump voted for this in 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 um, 2016 and some again in 2020. And I've talked to a few who are now having, oh, my God, I can't believe I actually got caught up in this. Um, there is there is that kind of reconciling that people are going through. Um, but the mugshot is has become a symbol. It is already iconic. We got that. But I don't think for the reasons that people in Trump world believe that, you know, I don't think America in the whole, Michael, sees this as a badge of honor, as an image of honor, it is not something that they they want projected around the world. Um, that a former president of the United States, particularly given how the rest of the world esteems the 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 presidency in this country, uh, that this is now the image that represents America in the 21st century. Um, so we'll see how how people continue to process it as the trial unfolds. Um, but I, I don't think that people are. Um, jumping up and down, uh, praising this as as something good for the country. 
although it was amazing to watch in a, a number of uh, bar rooms around the country where they were watching and waiting that when the mugshot was shown, <laughs> people did lose their shit. <laughs> they were so happy. But that spoke to people feeling that for the first time, there was some accountability. There is some value in these mugshots, in this mugshot in that regard, Michael, that people see, yes, he has now been processed in this system, in this in this you know, proving that this is not, there are not two tiers of justice. He's been processed like every other criminal defendant, uh, as you aptly. No, he no, wasn't, I, though. Yeah, That's I, the I whole got, point. I, Michael, was, I get that I part. have never I, in my life I get seen. That to your point, they're not going to shove the finger up the ass and check for drugs. We know that. Okay, that that wouldn't have happened whether it was Trump or Barack Obama or anybody else. We We get that side of it. But you have to stop and pull back a little bit and say, he, this is the fourth time he's been processed, but this is the first mugshot. Where were the mugshots the other three times? And that for the country was important. It's, it's not just the absolute letter of the process that you, you know people want to see played out. They want to see at some point in this processing of this criminal defendant that there is proof that he is being treated like every other criminal defendant. And and I and so I think that's if nothing else, that's what this mugshot did. I get it. Yes, he was in there for 20 minutes. He didn't have to wait 12 hours like most people do. He didn't have to sit in a jail cell like, like you did. I did. He didn't get like strip I searched did. and all of that. I get that. Like like the other 19 uh criminal defendants with him did. And 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 the last two are going to get processed today, Will. I get that. But his picture's now up on the wall with theirs. And I think it would have said something very different if it weren't. And I think that's, for me, the biggest takeaway from that image uh, being produced publicly the way it was. You see, I'll tell you the problem that I have with the whole concept here. There are some incredibly famous individuals who as a result of their mugshots, they ended up creating martyr status. Nelson Mandela. It all depends, as an example, Martin Luther King, right? Um, you have yeah, but there's but there's the you're, you're create. I hope you're not creating an equivalency here because there is none. There is none to you and to me. But to the MAGA morons, to the well, ones we don't that care, are but, so look, deep. The, but, but we the, do care because no, the problem no, we don't. is tell you why we they don't, have Michael. A, Mike, Michael. They, have the same, they have the same right to vote. And their they vote do. counts they as do. much as but, yours but, and but mine. Michael, are they 70% of the country? No. All right. So why are you worried about them? What I'm worried about are the 70% of the country and how they're reading this, how they're, how they're understanding this moment. And, and why we have to put I pushed I put out a tweet this morning telling people y'all need to stop this bullshit of putting up putting up a, a mugshot of Martin Luther King and Donald Trump as is there's some equivalency between these two men. The reality of it is Martin Luther King's mugshot was because he was fighting for civil rights, for the rights of black people to vote. Amen. Right. And and the, and the system in the South criminalized his right, to, his efforts to pursue that right. Donald Trump 
was hiding documents in his bathroom. Donald Trump was trying to subvert the legitimate transfer of power from one administration to another. Those are vastly different things. So you we cannot fall into this trap in feeding off of how MAGA is. I don't give a shit how MAGA is looking at this because I know how MAGA is looking at this. What I care about is how the country is processing this as a whole, because that's going to make it very important in how they vote going into next year. That if they if they do believe that somehow Donald Trump is some fucking victim here, after having tried to overthrow the government and inciting an insurrection and stealing classified documents, we've got a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, and and listen, it's been a damn photo. That's for sure. But it's it's your party, and as we watched these, you know, eight idiots up but on the thing, dais the this? other day. Can I, can I, real quick, it's not just my party. There, this is not just Republicans. This is also folks out there who aren't aligned with the GOP. I mean, because there are Republicans as a percentage of the voting population are only twenty eight percent. That's right. And so you we have to, again, pull the lens back. I mean, the media wants to create this narrative that this is all hard right Republicanism. Yeah, they're the ones stirring the pot and throwing shit on the walls. But guess what? There are Americans out there who aren't Republicans who are taking their spoon and dipping it in the pot to taste it and are going and actually, you know, touching the shit on the wall. So the reality of it is we need to understand what this really is for the country and that we do have Americans out there who are actually buying this crap from Donald Trump, who are buying this MAGA insurrection bullshit and, and, and this white nationalism. And so the, it's incumbent on guys like you and me and the rest of the country to A, call that out for what it is, and B, to, to stand in, in, in the shoes that are required for us to stand in on behalf of democracy and make sure we don't screw this up any more than it's already screwed up. Yep, totally agree with you. So, you know, Ben Shapiro, as an yep. example, argued that Trump is the most photographed person on earth and that the mugshot was completely unnecessary and vindictive. Now, I disagree. I totally, like you, I disagree. I agree with what he's saying. Donald is po possibly one of the most photographed people on earth. And if the issue is that he didn't show up for a hearing and they had to find him, now at least they have a current picture of him. But I don't agree that it was unnecessary, nor do I agree that it was vindictive. So I disagree in that it shows that Trump that Donald is not above the law and that he will be treated like any other accused criminal before the state of Georgia. Discuss so this let with me my ask listeners. you this. So, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. I disagree with Ben's assessment there. Um, so, you know, I mean, I guess the question is if, if Ben did what Donald Trump did, uh, as a private citizen, because Donald Trump was a private citizen when he stole the documents. Yeah, he would have gotten the full Monty. He would have gotten the full Monty. 
And there would have been no one claiming that Ben Shapiro or anybody else for that matter was being persecuted or or they were being treated differently um, because of their political alliance or affiliation, whether they were running for office. How many candidates do we know over history who have been indicted and brought up on charges and, and hauled before courts while they're running for office, some while they're still in office? So our system up to this moment has not treated anybody differently. But yet and still in this moment, we have to a large degree as the points that you made with the motorcades and and the 15 minute processing and all of that bullshit. So we have uh, treated Donald Trump differently. And the fact that guys like Ben and others in the MAGA universe refuse to recognize that tells you just how much this is about the political efficacy of of making the noise and screaming and shouting about it than really embracing what the rule of law and the criminal justice system requires and acknowledging, yeah, for Donald Trump, this process could have been a hell of a lot more, much worse and more embarrassing. But for some reason, we decided to honor the fact that he's a former fucking president of the United States and allow him some fucking courtesy so that we could get through this process as a nation without completely shredding ourselves apart. And they lose sight of that fact. They lose sight of that fact because if I were the one calling the shot, he would have had the finger up his fat ass to make sure he wasn't carrying drugs, just like black men do in prison systems every day, as Hispanic men do in prison systems every day. And, and, and any other brother who walks through that, that, that jail complex there in Georgia would have had a finger up their ass to make sure they didn't, weren't hiding any contraband. So cry me a river on this, on this idea that Donald Trump is somehow being persecuted here because he got processed for 15 minutes. And as you aptly put it, the only thing he had to suffer through was the taking of a photograph, which he's now put on a damn T-shirt and making $34.95 off of. Yeah, and but worse, worse than the mugshot, the whole thing was all over 15 minutes. If you're going to accept his height and his weight <laughs> as a self-attestation, why not just let him take a current photo? Why not just send somebody and then upload the photo as a mugshot? The entire ordeal, which made him look sovereign, it made him look regal, it reminded me of, you know, not... If Joe Biden yeah, but, was but, going there right yeah, now as president, he would not have gotten more. Yeah, but that... but that, I, I get your point there, but... So I'm going to take the other side of that coin, Michael. Yes, it made him look entitled and regal and presidential, but he was taking a damn mug shot. No, nah, you're missing. You can't but lose you're missing. Sight of the but fact, you're missing. Yes. No, I'm I, not missing anything. I see. I see what the process is laying out, and I have a problem with that. But at the end of the day, I come back to the point that it's a mug shot. And yeah, we could. They could have uploaded a picture. They could have taken any one of the millions of pictures of Donald Trump and plussed it up. But there is something about that process, that part of the process, for most Americans, 
that that informs them that you are now a criminal defendant. A lot of people don't know, as you do from your own personal experience, what that means to walk through that jail cell and have indignities foisted upon you as your process. Most Americans don't know that. But what they do know, Michael Cohen, is your mugshot. And when they see that mugshot, that's when it registers in their head, oh, okay, he's in the shit right now for something, right? And the same was true in this moment for Donald Trump. For all the stuff we know about him and think about him, all the pictures they've seen of him, and yes, you could have taken anything else. It is something different when they're taking a live photo of you in the moment. Up until in that the moment point. when they watch you walk in sure. and sure. you come out on the other side and they got, here, this is the shit we just took of the guy who walked in the room. And that, and, to me, is why that was so important. And again, the way I see it, and others who I've spoken to also see it, He's brought to the location in a motorcade of 40-plus vehicles on each New Jersey and then Atlanta, each, as he gets off of a 757 aircraft with his name plastered across it to be brought to this Fulton County jail for processing where the whole thing is done in 15 minutes and then back to the motorcade it's not the same as anybody that has ever it's gone into processing the same as anybody. I agree. And, and as far as I'm concerned, as far but as I'm concerned. But he's still got a mugshot just like everybody else. Right. However, in law, as you know, he's presumed innocent yes. until, until guilty. Right. And so when he went ahead after taking the mugshot at the airport before getting onto the plane, he went ahead and he cried Here's the victim again of the Biden administration weaponization of the Justice Department against the leading Republican candidate. And he's reinforcing all of the things that got him to have to go to Fulton County Jail. I got that. But, but Michael, how is that different from any criminal defendant who walks out of a processing center after the, after the fact? And, and, and we know in high-profile cases, we've seen them. I mean, ones in the past and ones that are currently underway in which the criminal defendant walks out before a bank of cameras and say, I didn't do it. I'm innocent. This is a this is a this is a unwarranted prosecution. The prosecution is coming after me because of my status in my community, who I am. We've heard this before. There's no difference here. Yeah, it's just a matter of magnitude. But the yes. but the, but the line is the same. Every criminal defendant who thinks they they didn't do the shit they're being accused of comes out in front of cameras and go when they're asked, "Did you do it?" No, I didn't. I'm being unfairly prosecuted. So I, I don't. I, that didn't surprise me. I would. You know, normally Donald what Trump happens, Mike, it's not that normally. Yeah, but normally it's not the guy himself who's coming out. Maybe the lawyer will make a statement. No, and so I've on. seen it. This I've is, seen it with the guys themselves who've done this. We've seen. We've got video of people. Uh, I, I'm, I'm blanking on one of the more recent cases. Um, where criminal defendant who was subsequently found guilty the, at the beginning of the case, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So look, I agree with you about everything. I mean, we really are on the same side of it. On, yes, on, we are on, on this question. We absolutely my, are. My only point is, I take it a, a step further and goes, 
I'm not upset about it. I, I you know, I, I yeah, I, I hate the fact that they did all the shit they did, and I don't think they should, and I think it's a mistake. But at the end of the day, when I stop and look at it, I go, "Wow, this motherfucker is no different than the boy down the street because he's got a he's got a mugshot, he's got a court date, he's got to appear, he's been told by the judge he can't say shit, do shit, etc." He had to uh, pay a bond. Okay, the process is working. Um, And it may not work to the same degree um, as I think it should have for him as it did for you. I definitely agree with you on that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're the one who's going to be sitting on that stand at some point saying, okay, so let me tell you what this motherfucker really did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) And why you need to find him guilty. And that's of value to the country. Regardless of how the process plays out, that moment could otherwise have been avoided because people just saw, well, we can't prosecute a former president. Bullshit. Now we know we can. Yes. So, look, what made the booking all the more surreal was that just 24 hours earlier, most of Trump's rivals for the GOP nomination they raised their hands in the presidential debate in, <laughs> which took place in Wisconsin to say, listen to this shit, Mike, this is, this is what the party that you used to be the, the, the head of, that they I would know. support Donald if he became the GOP nominee. Yeah. So as the former head of the RNC, is this the final death knell for the Republican Party as you once knew it? So you know, you know when when a corpse is in is in the casket, um, and it starts uh, decomposing and releasing fluids and gas. <laughs> that's what that was. Sounds gross, but okay. That's that's what that was. This this. I mean, what else can you call it? I mean, you're you're just telling me that you're gonna you're running against this man for the job of the presidency presumably because you don't think he's fit for the job. But then you raise your hand and said that if he's convicted for the crimes for which he has been charged, that you would stand behind him and support him for that job of the presidency. So you have no credibility now. None. You are like that liquid oozing from a rotting corpse. It is of no value. It stinks to high heaven. And and I think a lot, I mean, the one takeaway from a lot of people that I've heard over the last two days is that moment. Is that they, you know, and I thought Nikki Haley in the the main won the evening. She did some things that were really, really smart, really aggressive, really set her apart. And then she raised her hand. And I'm like, well, shit, that... There goes the last, you know, hour and a half of of the debate where you were you were killing it. You just killed it when you raised your hand and said, "Yeah, I'd support Donald Trump for president if he's indicted uh, and convicted." So, yeah. so it, it speaks to the rot inside the party. Yeah, and then what did else? What else did he do? He decided to counter program Fox News's Republican debate. Right, right. On X, right, I, former Twitter. Yeah, yeah, who knows? With fucker, with fucker Carson, <laughs> right? With fucker Carson. And I'm curious what you thought 
of that batshit insane interview. All right, because it showed me a politician unbeholden to a party or basic morality at his most unhinged moment. And a former, or I should say, a current media personality using an incredibly powerful platform to spread lies and foment hate. And I say, and I say this because these people just raised their hands to say that they would support him if he became the nominee, even after being convicted, and yet he's on a platform counter-programming their time in order to introduce themselves to the American people. So if you would, Mike, discuss with me if you worry that the chaos they spoke of from civil war to people wanting Trump killed is a preview of what's to come. Uh, it's, I, I don't think it's so much a preview. I think it's a, a matter of where we are at the moment. Um, this is not being previewed. I mean, we, we already know the threats, uh, as you've already alluded to, uh, to individuals like yourself, myself, uh, friends that we know, um, who, who have stood up to this erosion of our democracy and are trying to remind our fellow Americans not to, not to stoop uh, to the level that Trump and his allies wants us, wants us to go. Um, yeah, it is, it is very concerning. It is very worrying. worrying. Um, it is also one of those things where um, we should not be surprised when a, a presidential candidate starts his presidential campaign by telling uh, his voters and supporters and, and more importantly, the American people, I am your retribution. Where yeah. the hell do you think this goes? <laughs> what, what, what do you think comes next? Uh, we're going to have a nice, you know, Easter Sunday, you know, on the lawn of the White House with the bunny. No, that bunny is going to be sitting there with an AK-47. That's that's what retribution means. Um, you know, the niceties go away. The niceties become ugly. Um, and, and I think that's what you're seeing is not just the perpetuation of it, Michael, but the ramping, ramping it up, elevating it. Um that Tucker Carlson interview was not meant for yours and mine uh, consumption. It was that was that was a narrowly tailored conversation with his with the people in his universe. Everyone's, you know, I mean, I'm loving some of these Democrats, and you've heard of Michael, I'm sure, you know, almost bragging that in each of these uh, uh, processing moments for Trump in the criminal justice system at the federal and state level, when there's been a call for his supporters to show up, no one showed up. There's been very, very few people. These folks, they, they, Trump is not bothered that 10,000 people didn't show up in Georgia for this. He does. He's not worried about that. He lied. He lied. And he said it was, did you see the big crowds? His, right. The love, the, I mean, the love that was the love that was in the air. The love. It was an, it was, it was an enormous amount of. Tur but there that's was not, more media. There was more media present than people. 
Exactly. But the thing is, these folks are now taking this thing further underground. They're not going to make the same mistakes they made in in, in 2020. They're not going to get out there and start chatting about the, in their organization and, and, and their organizing and what they're what they're planning to do and who they're targeting. And they're not doing that anymore. They're not going to show up in public spaces so that people with cameras can uh, take clips of them and identify them beforehand. They're not yeah, doing that's what, that anymore. Yeah, that's, that's what they think because our law enforcement, our FBI, our Secret right. Service, uh, they are so much smarter than all of them. Uh, our local law enforcement, come yeah, on. But not just law enforcement, pri- private citizens. I mean, think about the number of folks from uh, January 6th weren't necessarily a lot were obviously captured by by um, law enforcement cameras. But there were a lot of private citizens uh, who were there who turned over their their camera uh, as evidence, who didn't necessarily go up to the Capitol. But, you know, know that Joe did. And here's his photo if you want to know who Mm -hmm. he was. So they my point is they have learned. And so I don't expect them to play the next game the way they've played the last game, and nor should the rest of us, and that we need to be uh, much more critical in our thinking about this and less like reactive to the lack of uh, a particular activity and just assume that there's a hell of a lot more activity going on than you see at the surface. And that's the thing I find the most troubling. Yep. So look, Atlantic writer Tom Nichols said to the debates that, and I quote, the Republicans as a party don't care very much about policy, that the GOP contenders remain in the grip of moral cowardice, and that Fox News is just as bad, if not worse, than it's ever been. Do you agree with his assessment, or were there some glimpses of sanity that's a good question. I do, in the main, agree with uh, Tom's assessment there. I think, as do I. Yeah, yeah, and I and I and I think, but where where I would sort of draw just a little bit of a sliver on the side lane would be what we saw, uh, and and Fox did make the attempt uh, in the first hour to sort of push public, public policy forward. So that was really, I think, one of the strengths of Nikki Haley, unlike Vivek, who just wanted to throw shit on the wall and try to beat Trump because Trump wasn't there. I would be curious to see how he would have behaved if Trump were on the stage. I would almost bet you it would have been more licking his boot than challenging him. But set that aside. You saw, you saw I thought, um, Christie. At times, certainly Asa Hutchinson, Bergman at time, Bergam rather at times, and all at all times, uh, Haley sort of pushing forward on the policy piece to try to almost pull the party back to that kind of a conversation. Um, but as we saw, it would unravel and it would devolve very quickly into shouting at each other and 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 projecting and putting out you know lies like. Vivek, you know, Vivek saying, oh, you know, climate change is a hoax when everybody now knows that's bullshit. And and that's, you know, that's an argument from 20 years ago. It's not the argument that particularly even among young Republicans today that they're making. So um, I, I agree with Tom in that sense. But I did see 
that effort to try to pull the conversation into that uh, into a policy direction. But I think in the main, it doesn't work. And the reason it won't work, Michael, to the fullest extent, because you're not getting any help from the Congress, from the Republican right. members of Congress. You got Jim Jordan demanding that Fonnie Willis give him everything he she has on on the and Fonnie Willis is going to tell him to bite her left butt cheek because that's all she that's all he's going to get a taste of. He ain't going to hmm. see shit from her. He ain't going to because there's no reason under the sun by federal or state regulation that would compel her to give the Judiciary Committee of the United States Congress evidence that she's currently compiling against a former president because of his criminal actions in her state. Come on. So yeah. you're, you're not you're not going to have Nikki and God and forbid something like that. Should, and God forbid that. something like that, Mike, should be a disqualifier for, you know, for Jim Jordan to be the right. chair of the committee. I mean, exactly. it's so it's so it's so obvious to everybody what he's doing. Right. And, but he's going to do it anyway. So, you know, you made you made a point that you thought that Nikki Haley was like the big winner. I'm going to be honest with you. I tell you, I didn't find a winner in the entire place, but I would say I thought the single most significant moment in the entire debate is when Chris Christie got booed. And then yeah. he says, no, 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 no. All of you stop it and stop it right now. Just because I say something negative or derogatory to Donald or about Donald doesn't mean that what I'm saying isn't true. And you all have to stop because... Donald Trump did X, Y, Z. I thought Chris Christie at that moment really took control over the entire debate because he, everybody on that dais was concerned about one and one thing only, whether or not they were appealing to the crowd of like 4,000 that was right. in that stadium that night, thinking that these 4,000 is going to do anything for any of them. They would not. And even if they got the 4,000, it's still not going to change the outcome, which is that Donald, unless he drops out, goes to prison, or drops dead of a heart attack, will be the Republican nominee. Yeah, I, so I, I agree with that, but I, I would break it down this way. So let me, let me start with the, the obvious thing first. Can we please, please, please stop having audiences for these damn debates? They are a distraction. They're irrelevant. They distort uh, the significance of mm -hmm. what the candidates are saying. They, they scream at bullshit and boo important stuff, as you just noted. Um, and so I would like to see these debates with just the candidates and the questioners and let the country absorb what these candidates are saying um, in the silence, if you will, of their own hearts and minds without the, the, the third party bullshit coming from yeah, the, the right, the left or the center. It's just a distraction. The second thing, I agree with you, Chris, Chris, Big, Chris Christie grabbed the moment, but he didn't have it long. No. He didn't have it long, and he didn't have it long because of what I just said. Because after that moment where he rightly rebuked that that audience for their their 
just total ignorance in the moment um, and, and just ugly partisanship, um, it didn't change anything. They Vivek then went on his, you know, his crazy, you know, fanciful trail to nowhere. Um, and the audience happily followed him. So Chris was right. And it was a, a seminal moment and an important moment where he called the thing out for what it was. But then it didn't change the, the trajectory of the debate. It didn't change any of the behavior of the other people on the stage. To your very important point, they continued to play to that audience. And they continued to try to get more applause lines yep. in than, than the substance of what they would do as president. And, and that was never more profoundly important than the exchange between Vivek and Haley on Ukraine. Yep. Where she called him out, you are wholly incompetent and unprepared. You do not have foreign policy chops. You have no idea what you're talking about right now. You, sir, are talking out of your ass. That, to me, was the crowning moment because it took what Chris Christie had said and it tied it to something very, very important. And, and you know what? You know what? I was shocked that people, Vivek didn't turn around and say something like, yeah, Donald Trump didn't have foreign experience either. Meanwhile, right now, he's beating you by quadruple digits. Yeah, that's what I thought. Be, but, because Vivek wasn't but, there for himself. He's there no, but, because no, he no, wants Vivek, to be Trump's running mate. He wants to be his running mate. Do you see Donald Trump putting him on his ticket? No, no. Thank does you. he not? A, does he not look <laughs> in the mirror and see who he is? Donald. <laughs> Donald wouldn't piss on him across the street if he was on fire because no. he'd have to walk over there. No, Listen, he would not. No, he would not. So, Mike, look, the hour goes by very quickly. You, you know, I say this uh, to so many of my guests because we could sit and talk about this for. Hours. Hours, um, yes. I have one last question for sure. you. What do you make of Trump's return to Twitter? You know, I saw I saw on CNN this morning that Twitter, like 60% of all news sources actually, after doing their own investigatory work, which is in many cases very skimpy, they use Twitter as a source yeah. for their stories. What do you make of Trump coming back to Twitter? Well, Elon Musk is happy because that was the whole point. Number one, as in all instances, Donald Trump is a liar again because he said and tweeted out, you know, once he got to True Social, I will never go back to Twitter. Well, the last time I checked, the word never means never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> right. So but never until I do. That's that's where that's what it means yeah. for Trump. Uh, look. Uh, Twitter is a cesspool of shit right now. Uh, you just, you get on it, you look at, you, you're, you're getting, you're taking incoming from people with three followers. Um, bots. It has, it, it, it bots. It has become uh, a cesspool for MAGA. Uh, and I suspect what will eventually happen here is that Trump will reclaim Twitter um, as his universe. Elon will continue to wet his pants over that. Um, and it will be nothing. It, it, it will become the new true social, effectively. And everyone else will leave. 
because they're already leaving. I know you've lost a lot of followers. I've lost a lot of followers who are just like, okay, I'm done. Um, I'm going to some pl- other platforms until a, a platform emerges um, that will, will um, uh, you know, replace rival, this. Yeah, rival t- Twitter. Will rival yeah. that. And I, and I think, you know, there there's some that, you know, that are starting to do that. And we'll see. You know, we'll see how that how that eventually plays out. Yeah, I joined out. I joined Threads, and I actually yeah, post I'm on whatever, Threads. Whatever I post on um, on X, I post on um, Threads as well. My yeah. hope, because I I'm begin I'm becoming like you, so disgusted with um, Twitter with X, um, simply because you say something and it's truthful. And all you get back is the bots and the bot farms and so on. So look, Mike. Yeah. Thank you as always for joining me. No, on thank you, Popa. my friend. The perspective is um, it's so valuable. You know, keep doing you, and um, you too, I will bro. definitely be. I will definitely be seeing you and speaking to you very soon. You got it, friend. You take care. The same. And now for today's mea culpa. I can't tell you how happy I am that Rudy lost the defamation suit filed against him by two Georgia election workers. Not only will he face ruinous financial penalties, but he further disgraced himself before the court of law. Judge Beryl Howell chided Rudy for donning the cloak of victimization. Now he will have to pay and pay. What Giuliani did was fucking unconscionable, even by Rudy's fucked up standards. He likened them to drug dealers and dog whistled all manner of sickening racial innuendo. They were harassed and frightened and had to flee their own homes under threat. In a matter of weeks, Giuliani managed to destroy their reputations and created a chilling effect when no one would want to serve as a poll worker ever again for this very reason. The fact that he did it also cavalierly makes it even worse. That this drunken toady buffoon decided that he would randomly ruin the lives of two public servants because he could get away with it, because he's Rudy fucking Giuliani, is a stunning abuse of power and an ugly example of what Rudy will do to preserve himself as well as Donald Trump. He took this playbook right out of Trump. I mean, he is a truly ugly, ugly individual with a very dark heart. This judgment is a reminder that justice does work and that eventually people will be held accountable for their actions. I mean, look at what's happening with Trump. Look at what happened years ago when I spoke to George Stephanopoulos and I said to him that I will not be remembered as the victim of Donald Trump's nonsense. So let's hope that this is just the beginning of a long legal battle for Rudy and for Donald and these other 18 co-conspirators that ends with him and them broke and behind bars. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. 
Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Oh, <laughs>